Welcome to By the Glass, a podcast dedicated to boozy beverages and the people who make and drink them. I'm your host, Chris Paldoyan. It was during my year abroad in Madrid that I not only fell in love with wine, but also discovered tin seafood. Tapas and Pinchos bars in Barcelona, San Sebastian, and Madrid all featured very high-quality seafood served straight out of the can, which in 2010 to a 20-year-old me was totally new. Over the past decade, wine bars, boutique stores, and specialty shops all around the USA have embraced these products. So for today's episode, I wanted to talk about Iberian canned seafood with Jose Gourmet. This Lisbon-based company cans everything from squid to sardines to razor clams and features beautiful packaging from the artist Luis Mendonca. If you've seen it, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, Joining this discussion on seafood sustainability and mackerel marketing is Matt Caputo, founder of A Priori, Jose Gourmet's national distributor and Jose Gourmet sales director Vasco Mota. I wanted to hear how COVID has changed the conservas business as well as like the regional differences in Iberian aquaculture. <laughs> We've got a lot of fish to fry, so pour yourself a glass of chocolate and we'll jump right in. Hey guys, how's it going? Awesome, man. Thank you for having me. Hey, thank you. Hey. Thank you guys. I've got, I'm here in Texas and I've got people to my West and people to my East. You know, we've got Vasco coming all the way from the other side of the Atlantic from Lisbon. Vasco, how are you doing? I'm fine. Thank you. What about you? I'm good. Vasco, you are the sales manager for Jose Gourmet, a fantastic Portuguese tin seafood company. And we've also got Matt coming from Salt Lake City in Utah. Matt, how are you doing? Oh, man, it's great. I get to get out of real work and talk to you guys about something I love today. I can't complain. I read that you're big into CrossFit. Did you exercise earlier this morning? <laughs> no, I'm missing it for you. That's how much I love you. Oh, guys. wow. I, <laughs> I feel very guilty because I got my run in this morning. So, nice. but cool. Well, Matt, you are the president of A Priori, a distribution company, and also a worker at the Caputo's Delicatessen, a famed food destination in Salt Lake City, right? Yeah, yeah. I don't know that they say that I do much work anymore, but uh, (laughs) I am the CEO of Caputo's and uh, it's a a retail uh, shop in Salt Lake City. You know, cheese, chocolate, charcuterie, tin seafood, you name it. Cheese, chocolate, charcuterie. You got all the C's. Yes. Very exciting. Well, I'm excited to talk to you both about Jose Gourmet specifically and tin seafood in general. I think the conservas as a category is something that's really blown up in the US over the past decade. And pantry goods have definitely grown in popularity during the pandemic as people kind of like are looking for shelf stable things that they can have in their house. And there's also a level of sustainability to these items that I think is really important that can't be ignored. Jose Gourmet is a brand that I've loved. There are several places here in Houston where you can get it. Uh, Shout out uh, Public Services, this great wine bar in the city. Uh, Heights Grocer, which is this uh, like natural wine shop in the northern part of the city. Um, But I know that the brand has national recognition. And Matt, I know that you're kind of the main distributor for these products in the United States. So maybe we can start, Vasco, with you kind of painting the picture for us about the history of Jose Gourmet, how it got started, um, and kind of the types of products for people that maybe aren't as familiar with them. Okay. So um, Jose Gourmet uh, was launched in 2008. Uh, uh, Our main purpose was to uh, 
to share with the, the world uh, the Portuguese products that uh, we have with great quality, uh, which uh, uh, and in, in the last 20 years, they, they are presented to the market uh, in a lower lower position, like a, a, port, uh, a product with, uh, with a lower quality, but uh, we have many, many uh, good products uh, and we decided to, to show them to the market uh, with the different uh, packaging, with a different image, uh, which uh, will grab the, the, the attention of the, the public in general. This, is, this was the, our main mission uh, in the first, be the, the very beginning of the, the company, and uh, I think uh, we we was lucky with uh, the packaging design, uh, and I think we we just hit the point uh, with these products. So, Vasco, for people that maybe don't know these products, who maybe when they think of tinned seafood or conservas, their mind immediately goes to maybe some of those lower quality products that you were talking about here in the US, you know, we're talking like chicken of the sea or, you know, some other, you know, brand bumblebee tuna or something like that. How are these products different in terms of sourcing of seafood and, and stuff like that? It's it's quite simple. It's, uh, it is, uh, I think, three main uh Main things in the, the production. Uh, first, uh, the sourcing of the fish. Most of our um, canneries uh, are very close to the, the fishing ports, uh, so it's easy to have fresh fish in the production for the day. It is it is very good in terms of the quality of the, the final product, but also for the, the environment as well. And then we uh, we only work uh, not being producers. Uh, we we can choose the the producer which we work and um, I think one of the the crucial um, arguments to to choose uh, our our producers is to to produce uh, by the traditional Mediterranean method uh, and this traditional Mediterranean method is uh, to pre cook the the fish before uh, before entering the can and then. Uh, only after the, the pre-cooked methods, uh, they uh, put in the can and then the, the sauce and everything else. Not only the, the source of the, the fish have to be fresh, uh, but also the, the sauces, the condiments for the sauces uh, should be the best possible. This is very expensive for uh, the most of producers. And I think that's really important because I think a lot of people, when they think of tinned seafood or canned tuna or something like that, they might think that maybe it just comes in a brine, some salty water. Um, but with Jose Gourmet, some of these are in extra virgin olive oil. Others are in like a tomato sauce. You have escabeche, like really delicious marinades. So I know you said that you're sourcing the fish and getting it to the canneries very, very close to those kind of like fishing ports. Are there also like different sites where all of these sauces are being made or olive oils are being sourced? Kind of like, what's the, what's the process there? We, we then we have uh, another process that is tasting uh, and uh, um, we have a quality control that uh, uh, see from, uh, from where is uh, ingredient. Uh, and uh, more or less, we, we know that uh, an extra virgin olive oil will be better for some products, not for all, uh, for each product. Uh, and then I think it's 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 more knowledge uh, about 
each kind of um, of ingredient which is better for for each product than the, the directly the source of this uh, this product we of course we we have preference for if we we are working with the portuguese producers we we have preference for the portuguese raw materials we are working with spanish producers which we work with uh, a few ones uh, because ju- just because of the the environment totally and matt maybe you can jump in a little bit here sure. these jose gourmet tins you're selling them here in the us stateside and you're getting them in front of a lot of different people mm-hmm. you know people that Maybe you're familiar with some sort of conserva, but what's kind of the pitch that you make about these particular products from Jose Gourmet? What's making them kind of stand out? So the, the wonderful thing is it's it's easy to sell these because, uh, you know, first and foremost, we have to just pay attention to the fact that in the consumer goods market, packaging is super important. It's not what I geek out on, but things that are attractively packaged tend to do well automatically. Like we've been doing chocolate for such a long time that I can pretty much look at a package, hold it in my hand and tell you what its market share capacity can be. Um, and, and we're seeing the same thing in tin seafood. And given that the, the art is just so evocative of the culture behind it with Jose Gourmet, um, it, it really has the wind at its back with regard to sales. That being said, that I'm, that's something I'm suspicious of as a, as a geek. You know, at my company, uh, I own it 50%. My wife owns it 50%. We're both big time food geeks and, and we feel like uh, we're in this fight to preserve the traditions of our ancestors, not just mine, but yours and, and Vasco's and everyone. There, there's this global food system that is just squeezing out really beautiful uh, parts of history and culture. And we want to fight against that. So when I see beautiful packaging, I actually get suspicious. So one of the things that we do, I do every day, I, I break my fast. I do intermittent fasting about five days a week. And I break my fast with a little blind tasting usually, generally of either sardines or mackerel or something where I'll have the packaging removed and the first thing I'm going to eat. So I'm nice and hungry. My, my palate's good and sensitive. And I'll taste side by side, you know, two cans of mackerel at a time. One from maybe a producer that I'm familiar with that I've had before, and then maybe one from a new company that sent samples. And I'll be able to not only get my protein good off to the good start for the day, but I'll also be able to be like, wow, this one is spectacular and this one's okay. Or, oh my God, this one is disgusting and this one is not. Mm-hmm. So, but that, that's just kind of an informal thing I do every day. One of the things we do every week is a bigger, more formal one that we'll have someone else set up for our entire team. And we'll do say six different sardines where the packaging has all been removed. It's just labeled with numbers. And we all go through and we taste them blind. We write down our notes, can't talk to each other. And then after we've already you know, graded them, so to speak, we discuss which is which and which producer is what and the quality they're in and all these different things. And after doing that for, you know, God, I've been doing it over 20 years now, um, about 14 years in a more pro- professional capacity as the buyer for a priori. And one of the things that I'll say for Jose Gourmet is they are not just a pretty face. When you put them in a blind tasting up against the best of the best, it is always shows through as belonging um, and worthy of its point of sale in, in terms of volume in the U.S., the, for example, when you taste their small sardines, it's yeah, it's expensive. It's retails to the consumer for like eight bucks, 
but we also have sardines that are like, you know, $12 and $20. And you can immediately taste which one is Jose Gourmet. I can't even do the blind taste test with theirs anymore because the olive oil they use is so fragrant. It, you open the can, it's vibrantly green. You smell it, it smells like flowers and it, it's like this beautiful cooked fish dish. That's a I don't I think you might be the only person to say that you open a can of sardines and smell flowers. I don't know many people that, that... Well, and that's, that's another thing we do in our classes is we'll do a very different sort of blind taste testing where we'll say pair something like Jose Gourmet's small sardines and olive oil up against, say, something that we just went to the grocery store and randomly picked off the shelf for ninety nine cents. And let me just tell you, uh, when you have that kind of side by side, you'll see immediately what I'm talking about. In one, you can't, yeah, there's fish there, but you can smell the olive oil. It, tastes, it smells like this aromatically delicious fish dish. Whereas the other one, I mean, it smells like cat food. Yeah, no, for sure. You know, that's the other thing is there's such a wide variety of products uh, being tinned by Jose Gourmet, right? There's fish like mackerel, sardines, codfish, tuna, trout. But then there's also, you know, bivalves and mollusks. You've got, you know, razor clams, you've got octopus, you have mussels. Vasco, maybe you can answer this a little bit. What's kind of been the growth? Did Jose Gourmet start with just one or two products? Was it really just like tuna and mackerel to begin with, and then it grew into these other things? Or was it always the goal to just have a wide array of different seafood? Uh, we, we started uh, with uh, nine products, nine different products, but the, the, the typical mm -hmm. from Portugal. Uh, so mackerel, tuna, uh, and sardines um, mm -hmm. in different sauces. Uh, also, also trout uh, was one of, uh, one of our first products. And uh, honestly, when we start uh, with the canned fish in our range, because we have also uh, olive oils, jams, uh, liquors from Portugal, and um, we we when when we started with the canned fish. Uh, we didn't realize that uh, canned fish will be our main main business, uh, which which is today. And when when we we re realized that uh, this this will be the way, uh, we we put uh, most of our efforts, almost uh, all our efforts, uh, on this on this range of products uh, in this category. Uh, and uh, from that day. Uh, we decided to we, we will have everything the best of everything uh, and uh, and now we are also um, building our own factory to uh, to bring completely new things to to the market of the the canned fish uh, and uh, I think this is this will be the the second step so the first step was the the very simple products the traditional ones but with good quality. Uh, then we we start to mm -hmm. to see what the market have to to offer us uh, as um, as a brand, uh, and then we we will start to produce uh, new things. Uh, I think the the next generation of conservas. Exciting and, and Matt, within the U.S., do you see that consumers are gravitating more to one product or another um, in the years that you've worked with these? Uh, yeah, so. First of all, it's it's growing just explosively. I think that, you know, in the 1800s, when this kind of became an industry about quality uh, in Spain and Portugal in the say, 1840s and 50s, there was this incredible just 
creation of, of something gastronomic from something that was born of war. But now I think just in the last, let's say six or seven years, there's been this additional renaissance that I think is, is just starting. I, I don't think that it's going away. We've seen connoisseurship take hold like we've never seen before. So yes, there's, there's definitely products that sell more than others. I mean, you know, your sardines and tunas are definitely the, the bigger volume items. But one of the things that we're seeing is quick growth of other things, you know, say, for example, a can of clams. I don't know if I have one here. Uh, small can of clams, white clams from, say, the Rias Baixas in Galicia. You can, depending on the size of the clam inside, it might be worth a $20 can. You can even see like a $200 can in the same size. And those premium products, now that connoisseurship is forming and people are being like, you know, I really like this $20 clam. I really like to see what the $60 one is all about. We're seeing those high ticket items really grow in a significant way. So to the point where like we always carried the $60 clams. But are those the berberaches, the uh, cockles? Cockles. The... So cockles are, are also, but they're... Uh, uh, in Spanish, it would be almejas would be the clams. Mm. Uh, cockles are expensive too, but clams are like another grade of expense mm. above. Um, so, you know, what, what, what we saw like even a year ago, we had to carry the clams or the high, the really expensive cockles just to have them. But, you know, maybe let's say a hundred units, hundred cans would be like a year supply. Now it's like we have to bring in 10 times more than that. And oh my God, that's not going to be enough. I need a lot more next time. So we're seeing, meanwhile, the sardines and tuna and the stuff that's, that's more approachable is still growing. Uh, but it's really mm -hmm. interesting to see that the market is becoming more adventurous very quickly. And do you see that growth coming more from on-premise consumption? Are restaurants buying these to incorporate into dishes? or to serve on their own. It's a very easy, relatively speaking, like low labor, like the pickup time on one of these is super easy. So if a restaurant wants to put it on their menu as an appetizer or something like that, or something to supplement their charcuterie board, super easy for them to do. Or are you seeing this growth coming more from, you know, direct to consumer or through retail sales? Truly all the above. Um, yeah. it's, it's, uh, we are seeing really strong growth into on-premise accounts, you know, specifically, you know, wine bars, really high quality cocktail bars, because um, you hit the nail on the head. It's such an easy thing. There's, it's got a five-year shelf life. It's meant to be a pre, yeah, you can use it in cooking, but for the most part, if you go buy a fancy can of clams at some taberna in, in Spain or Portugal, you're not going to doctor it up. If you, if you pay top dollar for it, you're paying for that. It's, it's like, you don't, go buy a, a $20 chocolate bar and then break it up and use it in chocolate chip cookies. I mean, if you do, I want to eat your chocolate chip cookies. But <laughs> for the most part, people are consuming this just on its own. So we're seeing it on premise. We're seeing it in restaurants. Um, but I would say when it is on premise, it's mostly to be enjoyed right out of the can. And, you know, in the same way you would uh, a wine or a beer, you're not just removing it from the box and sliding it out and serving some no-name can. It's about the producer. It's even about the vintage sometimes. Even with a given producer, sometimes their, their Ventresca is wonderful, and sometimes 
it transcends what you thought was possible from a can of tuna and it's only going to be that batch and you have to get mm. on it. So there's vintages, there's so much to it that uh, people are talking about it in the same way you would say a small batch of craft chocolate or a vintage of wine or something like that. Consumers get it at their house. Um, That's wild. Is- I had, yeah. yeah, I had no idea that that was a thing that you could, totally. you know, essentially track vintages are, are, Vasco, are these uh, individual tins, are these cans being labeled by canning date or tinning date? Yes, like uh, millesimes. Uh, it's it's the, the name they, they use to, 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 to put the, in these kind of products, um, mm-hmm. which uh, the, the producer, normally uh, only brands from directly from producers are able to do that. Uh, mm-hmm. If, if we, we talked about that uh, 10 years ago, which was more or less when we start. We now could have uh, millesimes in our in our uh, assortment, but uh, yes, uh, mostly brands from the from producers are doing are doing this, and uh, we hope to to have some of these products in the future. Uh, we we also tested uh, a few ones, uh, and as Matt uh, told, uh, it is. Uh, uh, a different product, uh, most of, uh, of the times more tasty. Uh, it, of course, if, if, if the sauce is good, uh, you will have uh, 10 years later uh, a better uh, final product. So have you, Vasco, in your experience, like aged some of these tins and see how they've held up, you know, with a couple extra years of mm-hmm. age? Well, what's kind of like the process of that? Yeah, you, you just have to... Uh, you, you should try. Uh, you, you can also try in your in your home. Uh, uh, I know uh, a couple of uh, people from uh, from the industry, uh, very old people, uh, which worked uh, in the canned fish industry, which have uh, cans of sardines with uh, more than twenty years of shelf life that uh, every year just turn uh, from the other sides uh, in the in the the, the pantry. Uh, turn the, the, the can uh, and after a year turn the can and then when they have a special uh, date, um, special meeting, uh, they just open uh, a couple of cans uh, hmm. with uh, more than 20 years. Wow. Yeah. That's wild. Yeah. That's got to be cool. You just got to remember to flip that can upside down once a year to, I guess, yeah. keep everything fully incorporated. But that's super cool. I don't know if I'd have the patience to hold on to a can for 20 years, but more power should, to those people. That you should buy about 100 cans and yeah, start yeah. To, to do that. Matt would be very happy if I <laughs> we're, did We're going to yeah. take care of that for you. We've, we're going to start a program pretty soon to start putting some of this stuff aside. Um, you know, and, and the, the trick is that the, the FDA, you know, they force you to put five years on. And that's pretty arbitrary, you know, like like uh, some of the produce. That's just when it leaves the production facility. They have to put that on. But we're seeing some producers that will produce something in a can, you know, let it sit for five years just to start getting good. And then they'll sell it to the market and they can put the five years on from that date. And the FDA has mm. no problem with that. It's just it's a technicality of when it leaves the facility. But things mm. like uh, sardines, tuna, um, clams, absolutely get astronomically better as they as they sit in the can. And and just have a sardine that's been in a can for ten years, wow! I mean, the flavor it's it's truly a transformation. Like the difference between 
you know, fresh pork and say prosciutto. It's, it's amazing. That's really interesting to think about. You know, Matt, we've also uh, talked a little bit about some of these other tins that you work with or other cans. And we're even seeing producers in the United States now that are doing this, like Patagonia. I know you work with them. They're actually um, producing their own mussels in Escabeche. They've got their own conservas that they're working on. They're sourcing a lot of that from the Mediterranean or North Atlantic, close to Spain. I know they work with some Spanish fishermen. Is there anyone that's doing this kind of more Iberian style canning or tinning, um, but sourcing their fish from the Pacific or the U.S. side of the Atlantic? Absolutely. There's, there's, I would say, maybe a couple dozen canners in the U.S. Most of them are doing the vast majority of them are doing large scale stuff that, you know, doesn't really interest me too much as a food geek. Um, but there are some, there's, there's a ha- small handful of producers that are doing things that are, are really special. Um, mm-hmm. The most notable, of which to me right now that I've just been a huge fan of is a place called Wildfish in Klawak, Alaska and Prince Wales Island. It is more of an artisan workshop than a factory. You know, to call it a factory is a little bit of a stretch. And I think that's a really beautiful thing. The the cannery industry has gone through incredible consolidation, whereas almost all the small artisans have been squeezed out. I I would say that maybe there's two or three left in the United States. But uh, what Wildfish does is not only produce in a small scale, but they work directly with fishermen catching all Alaskan seafood, small boats. We're talking about Polcott. salmon one or two crew members on boats like tiny little boats they have not only alaskan salmon but they'll differentiate between types so they'll do uh they'll do a pink salmon alongside the same can treated the same way they'll do a coho and then they'll do a king and then they do a white king which is really really rare type of king that actually doesn't produce uh color into its the pigment of color into its muscle structure Mm. so it actually looks white um they do herring they do gooey duck. They do uh, octopus. Um, the octopus is actually a bycatch of, of, of the, there's no commercial octopus fisheries in Alaska. Um, hmm. but what they do is, is something completely unique. And when you taste it, uh, I wouldn't say it's in the Iberian style. I would say it's a style unto itself uh, that when you taste it, you've just never tasted anything like it before. So love it or hate it. I love it. I think it's absolutely delicious, small batch production. Uh, seafood charcuterie, if you will. Um, it's, <laughs> it's very unique. So yeah, we were seeing them and I, I think we'll see more pop up as this industry gets more steam behind it and customers get comfortable paying what it costs to make a living doing something like this on an artisan scale. And that's the key, right? Like you can't, yeah. you can't be an artisan and produce, say, 10, 20, 30,000 cans a year, sell them for two, $2 each and, and somehow make a living off that. It just can't be done. I think you're touching on something that's really important, kind of that idea of sustainability, um, which can be looked at two ways, right? Like there's sustainability from like a labor standpoint, like getting people a fair wage. And then there's sustainability from like in the, the methods by which, you know, these things are getting caught. Do either one of you uh, want to touch on that idea of sustainability? Um, Matt, you've already talked a little bit about labor, but maybe we can talk a bit about like how the fish are caught. Vasco, if you want to touch on the fishing, I can talk more when you're done. Yes, uh, actually, uh, our our fish is um, we we don't have any label to um, about the fishery like MSC or uh, something else. 
but uh, we we are under the the European Union regulations, uh, which uh, uh, only permit us to to have us and uh, and also the all the European uh, producers uh, to have uh, uh, the quotas of uh, fishing and the, the, also the fishing methods are controlled uh, by the European Union. So when we we buy fish from uh, from the the fishermen, we, we know that uh, we are under the quotes. Uh, for example, uh, I noticed today that uh, we just have uh, two more days of sardine fishing this year. Uh, next year uh, will be from uh, May until now from uh, to, to May, all the, the canned fish. So we, we already have our warehouse full of stocks of sardines. So mm -hmm. I think it's uh, the, the best way to, to, to present the the, the sustainability of the, of the canned fish in general uh, in the European Union. There's also like little to no waste with this. It's not like when you go to a fishmonger and if they don't sell the fish in the right amount of time, it has to be thrown out. I mean, the yeah. beauty here is that whatever fish you catch, you can then use for canning and then you sell all the cans. And as we can see, like even if the can doesn't sell in 20 years, it's still going to be you, good, if not better than it was and it, before. And when so. you open the, the can, uh, you will hit uh, everything in the can is heating. So um, uh, no waste, uh, which is very important. Matt, do you want to expand on that at all? Yeah, I would just say that um, I, I kind of give people the same advice that I give in any category and, and you know, labels and certifications important um, I think especially when you're holding gigantic industry players accountable they they can be somewhat meaningful um, however I think that when you get down to the level of small artisans um, they can tend to backfire a little bit for example I've talked to some of the few remaining really small canneries around the world with regards to certifications like like MSC, for example, and the, the thing that I constantly hear is, oh, we can't afford, there's no way we can afford to do that. That's a big barrier to entry for yeah. us. And of course, they'll, they'll say it's scalable and things like that. But for example, when I talk about the, the octopus from, from Alaska, for example, um, it's, it's bycatch from a fishery specializing in herring. To get MSC certified, uh, a species has to come from a fishery specializing in that specific type of animal. So this octopus, which is, you know, caught in the same nets as, say, the herring, uh, he can't even, it's impossible for him to get MSC certified, even if he could afford it. Um, so what I generally tell people is that, you know, if you're buying a one to two dollar can of something and, and you want to see a, a, a certification on it, that's probably a good thing. But when you're talking about fine food, whether it's cheese or chocolate, you know, you don't go out and expect your $10 chocolate bars from the best producers in the world to have fair trade certification. They're not going to have it. And don't let me get into that can of worms right now. But let's just say that I've found uh, that, you know, sustainability is something that's truly important to me. Very, very important of the utmost importance. But what I've found is that when you find a producer that is really at the pinnacle of their industry for quality. One, they're never rich. <laughs> it's always a labor of love in any of these categories. Wine maybe being the exception, but maybe not. Depends on your orientation to what is good wine and what is not. Um, but cheese, chocolate, uh, these canner, tin seafood canneries, you know, the, the smallest, the best artisans, 
they're doing it for a, a lot of different reasons and sustainability is truly important to them. But and when you follow this type of quality, you're also following a different level of sustainability that goes through and through the entire company that does much more than just meet these like, you know, check marks that, you know, placate people, but then you can basically do whatever you want. So um, get to know what you're eating, you know, find a brand that produces in a way that you believe in, uh, that has a quality that you believe in, but also produces in a way that you believe in. And lo and behold, that producer, like the Wildfish example I gave or Jose Gourmet, they have thought about all of that. And there's going to be no gray area in their lineup. You know, it's not like, oh, well, their salmon's really sustainable, but, you know, that herring, oh, it's really killing the earth. No, they, they wouldn't do it if it wasn't great. For people that maybe have found one style of, you know, conserva that they really like, do you find as someone that represents conservas from Spain and within Spain, the Basque country, you know, southern Spain, northern Spain, Portugal and Italy, um, and you even have some French conservas, do you find that there's regional differences or is it really just producer to producer? Like when people talk about conservas, is it really stylistic or is it more regional in approach? Uh, I think it's both. Uh, there's a lot of regional differences just intrinsic to the, the traditions that they came from. But then you're also seeing, you know, uh, you're going to see more and more of it as people open up their own canneries and get as this movement gets more and more steam, there's going to be, you know, people doing things a new way. Like I'm super excited to see when, when Vasco and, and Jose Gourmet uh, opens their cannery, what is it going to be? Is it, is it mm-hmm. going to be like this, like archetype of, of Portuguese tradition that like is based and steeped in history, or is it going to be like an, a new direction? Uh, so I think that there's room for it all. Um, I think that in our catalog, you know, it's like, it's like being a wine connoisseur. You don't just, most people I think that are really into wine don't just drink one style. There's just to, to, to buy into one style, I think is, is something that people with a casual interest, there's no problem with it because you find what you like, why not stick with it? But when you get really, really into something, you know, it's like music. You want to hear something different all the time. You don't want to hear the same, same song all the time. Uh, Vasco, what else would you like people in the U.S. to know about what Jose Gourmet is up to? What else would you like us to know? Yeah, Jose uh, Gourmet um, is here. To, I think it, it is just the beginning of our journey uh, it, now in the canned fish industry. Uh, and, uh, and I think we, uh, we will have uh, many new things and completely different things uh, in this category very soon. We were learning uh, in the past 12 years since the beginning about the, all the industry. We worked with uh, Portuguese companies. We worked also with, with Spanish companies. Uh, and, uh, and also we, we are inside the, the production because we, uh, we, we need to know uh, how which one uh, works, uh, the different methods. So I think we, we have a, a good knowledge uh, for the next step, which is which will be uh, our own producer, uh, and uh, and I think um, we will have uh, great things uh, in in a couple of months to show to to the market. Uh, we will start with the with the typical products for sure, but then we 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 will try to 
to make our our lab working um, as uh, the the conservas two 2.0. <laughs> That'll yeah. be fun. 2.0. I'm excited. Uh, Vasco, what's your? F- I, it, it's it's impossible to choose just one, but what what's your desert island conserva from Jose Gourmet of the all of the tins that you make? Which one is your absolute favorite? Your ride or die? It's it's very difficult. Uh, I think sardines in lemon uh, is is one of the my favorites. Also, the smoked small sardines uh, I really like, and and the codfish in olive oil, which is new. Uh, I don't know if uh, if Mac, uh, Matt have the the same opinion. I don't know, Matt. It's very hard. Yeah. But uh, uh, I think I tasted uh, so much times that. Uh, um, Today is is difficult to me to 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 show you as a as a as a favorite. That that's a very diplomatic answer. As the yeah. as the sales director of the company, it's good to say that you don't have just one favorite. That's good. It, that's it good. was it was one of my favorites. The, the sweet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, gents, is there anything else that y'all want to talk about that we haven't already mentioned? I'm still a novice when it comes to this. You know, I've been I've been educating and and learning about cheese and chocolate for years and years, but uh, I I feel like I've just dove into the deep end of a new pool and I'm still learning how to swim and I'm starting to get my bearings of, and there's there's just so much here. I just truly think that this industry is poised for such a unique expansion uh, in a really special way, and and I'm just so happy that it's happening here in the United States because. You know, six years ago when I started getting into this, six, seven years ago, it just wasn't the moment for it. There was just no real traction. But just in the last three years, it's been wild and it's so exciting. Is there any concern with the tariffs that are in place right now? You know, the tariffs on a lot of these artisanal products coming out of the European Union, is that in any way affecting what you see being a priori's growth over the next, you know, six to 12 months? So uh, here's the thing. My perspective on that is that I, first of all, I hate it. It's back <laughs> on the consumer. The only per, the only people paying that are the consumers. Um, I don't pay it. Yeah, I pay it, but I pass it on. Um, and so does the store that I sell it to. They have to. The only one paying a higher price is the consumer. And as of right now, with small canneries in America being basically non-existent. Um, with very few exceptions, there's no alternative. Yeah, there's American produced sardines. Good luck enjoying that 99 cent can of sardines with a nice glass of wine. You'll, you'll, it'll backfire when you try and pair that with a nice wine. Yeah, it's not really protecting the the tariffs aren't really protecting a domestic they're, industry here. They're, they're absolutely not protecting a domestic industry. It's ridiculous, and the consumer's paying a higher price. My consolation is that any other competitor of mine and I don't view it like that I think it's such a growing market but uh, you know everyone's subject to the same tariffs I, I wish they would go away I think it's stupid mm-hmm. and in retaliation to dispute between Boeing and Airbus like let's find another way that doesn't hurt the American consumer that's just insane yeah I've been you know on my podcast I've interviewed a lot of wine importers and you know everyone's just kind of banging their head against a wall just so frustrated with this. So hopefully, hopefully the tariffs go away soon, yeah. um, and we can get back to eating untariffed, you know, sardines and squid and what. Thirty-five percent on tuna cans of tuna. That's wild. That's yeah. bonkers. Crazy. 
Well, Vasco, it's about dinner time where you are, right? Any big plans for dinner? Uh, a Portuguese cuisine with with, uh, with my family, uh, and it's all, which is good, which is very good. Awesome. Well, yeah. gentlemen, thank you so much for taking the time to chat. I really appreciate it. If people want to find these products, where would you point them? What website or vendor, like what website, Instagram account, where should they go? So I, I mean, selfishly, but I mean, it's a good option. So caputos.com, uh, we sell hundreds and hundreds of different tins of tin seafood. It's all free shipping. There's no minimum. And so we ship all over the US, caputos.com. We have his Jose Gourmet's whole entire catalog. But, you know, more importantly than that, if you see this sort of thing uh, at your local cheese shop, uh, your local, you know, a lot of restaurants have turned into to bodegas these days. I would say, you know, before even shopping at caputos.com, support them. Uh, they really need it right now, too. Uh, in terms of retailers in the United States, um, there's been a giant consolidation going on towards bigger and bigger grocers. And that's a really terrifying thing for our food system. So you find these at small, independently owned retailers and support them. That's that's the best. People in Los Angeles can go to Tilda. It's this really cool natural wine shop. Um, here in Houston, Heights Grocer is open for business and they're rocking and rolling with these. Haley Henry is a really cool wine bar in Boston. Uh, any in New York that you know of, Matt, that people should check out for New Yorkers oh, that are in the same I don't work directly in sales. We have a sales rep that lives full time in New York, but Maiden Lane. Oh, gosh. Who else in New York? They're, any of them listen to this, they're going to be mad. We have like <laughs> dozens of accounts in New York. So just, you know, walk down the street, pop into a little independent cheese shop, bodega, wine shop. They're going to have stuff like this and support them. Uh, that's one of the most beautiful things coming out of this pandemic actually, is you know the grocery stores that killed the corner shop in the 40s and 50s, we're starting to see the, some of those corner shops come back and I'm really, really hopeful that that'll stay because we need diversity in this food system, it's crazy. Get some bodegas back in action, Absolutely. that'd be good. Well, thank you gentlemen, I appreciate it. Matt, hopefully you get a breakfast of sardines in the next little bit. <laughs> Bosco, enjoy your traditional Portuguese dinner. I appreciate it, guys. Thank you so much. Thank you for your interest. It's been fun. On Instagram, you can follow Jose Gourmet at jose.gourmet. And you can follow Matt's company, A Priori Foods, at A underscore priori underscore foods. I want to apologize to... um, the entire team at Jose Gourmet for my repeated calling it Jose Gourmet, but you live and you learn. You know what pairs perfectly with that tin seafood aside from chocolate is uh, all 27 episodes of By the Glass, which you can stream wherever you get your audio content, Spotify, Apple, Google Play, all that good stuff. So uh, thanks for listening to another episode and we'll see you next week.